I have not seen sermon number three. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read the uh, chapter. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with superior eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony of God. For I decided to be concerned about nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My conversation and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith would not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Now we do speak with wisdom among now we do not speak with wisdom or we do speak with wisdom among the mature, but not with wisdom of this age, of the rulers of this age who are perishing. Instead we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages of a glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had known it, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it's written that their eyes have not seen, nor is ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things which God prepared for those who love him. God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For whom among men knows the things of a man except a man's spirit within him? So too no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things that we are freely given to us, freely given to us by God. And we speak about these things not with words taught by human wisdom, but with those taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet himself understands is understood by no one for who has known the mind of the Lord so as that as to advertise him but we have the mind of Christ let's pray father we thank you for this day Lord we thank you for your word Lord you we thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that can understand God we pray for all those today Lord that we would that's here to just be able to understand your word to apply it to our lives Lord, that we will be able to do the things that you've asked us to do. In the spirit of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, the sermon series as we've been going through, speaking for the last two weeks, uh, looking through uh, the lens of Scripture and taking this verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that eyes not seen, nor is ear heard, nor is entered in the heart of man the things which God's prepared for those who love him. As we've been looking at those verses, we've paired them alongside other verses through Scripture and pointed to other places in the Bible to give us uh, insight into some of this stuff that was happening. So the main thing is, as we looked, was uh, Acts chapter uh, 9, as the Apostle Paul uh, was traveling on the road to Damascus that time, uh, persecuting the church, uh, tearing down the church, actually... Uh, putting people in prison for believing in Jesus. And he had his mind made up and his uh, ideals and his perspective and what he wanted to do and what he had been taught all of his life, and he was uh, doing what he knew to do. But as he was going, there's wisdom of this world 
that he had. And Paul was a very wise man, so he wasn't stupid. He wasn't unlearned. He wasn't ignorant. Uh, Paul was learned. It actually says in Scripture that he sat at the feet of those instructors of Judaism in Jerusalem. And he left Tarsus as a young man and a young kid and traveled to Jerusalem and stayed there and studied. So in today's terminology, he would have been one that would have graduated seminary. He would have known the things of God. He would have studied the Old Testament. Uh, and Jews of that generation in that day and time, uh, before you was able to be accepted to study under uh, a rabbi, you had to be able to memorize the first five books of the Bible. So he could quote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So as he would quote all those word for word, can you imagine trying to do that? It's hard enough to even remember a few verses here or there or pick out a verse that kind of applies to us today and understand it and uh, apply it and study it, but to be able to quote it. And he could quote all those. And, and even Jews today, a truly devout Jew, that's one of their goals is they, they try to, to read through uh, those books, the Pentateuch it's called, and they try to memorize it so that they can apply the Word of God to their life. But it's, it's their whole world. It's what they're wrapped up in. And Paul went through all this, and he learned all these things. So he's a very smart man, a very intelligent man, a very learned individual. But as he was doing it, he was doing it out of selfish ambition. So a lot of things we do in life, we'll do it out of selfish ambition. And we'll do the things we want to do or feels good to us. And even in church, it can be that way. So I'm sure there's no selfish people here today. No, Nobody in the crowd, anybody kind of selfish and... Uh, not share everybody shares a lot and shares everything you have and just give it all away and yeah you're right but as we looked at that we seen that paul was there and it took an eye-opening experience it took god to show him something to change his mind and some of us are hard-headed like that some of us are selfish like that and we care about us more than we care about others and uh, this past week, I was talking to a, a person that, uh, a Christian, uh, somebody that attends church regularly, that's on uh, leadership at a church, uh, that helps the church, not Bethesda, but somewhere else, and not even here in our county or even in, in our surrounding counties, but I was talking to them, and they was talking about uh, things going on in the Middle East, and they said, if I was in charge, what I would do is call a few of the people of Iran, of Afghanistan, and some of those countries, and I'd tell them they got 24 hours to get the people they care about out because I'm dropping a nuclear bomb on them. And I would just obliterate them because we're tired of fighting with them. And I thought about that from a Christian perspective. How calloused are we as Christians to even say something like that? It's just kind of wild to me. And I'm the same way. I'm not putting that gentleman down because I'm the same way. I'm pretty selfish in a lot of things I do. But it's not, I'm not uh, qualifying it or I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying we need to change. We need to be unselfish in our ways. We need to be a person that gives and cares and loves and uh, exemplifies Jesus the way he calls us to throughout Scripture. So Paul was this person... that did what he wanted to do. But then all of a sudden, God showed up. And when God met him on that road to Damascus, 
it closed his earthly eyes, but it opened his spiritual eyes. So it says Paul become blind because he saw. And I wonder if that's what God needs to do to some of us. For us to leave our old ways and leave our past behind. The Bible says that when we become saved in Christians, it says old things have passed away and behold all things become new. We as Christians should be a new creation in Christ Jesus. We should be a, a new creature. So as we're thinking about that and, and our lives individually and we put ourselves in Paul's shoes, did your salvation moment transform you the way Saul became Paul in an instant? Did you automatically put off your old ways and our selfish ways and we no longer uh, struggle with that, but all of a sudden in an instant, at the moment God showed himself to us and we become aware of him and gave our heart to him and maybe become water baptized or baptized in the spirit and we, we uh, live and dwell and have our being in him, are we really giving up our old ways? So Paul did in an instant, but as he went on to this town that God told him to go to, and he went there to that town, and Ananias come and prayed for him, and it says it looks like scales fell off his eyes, and now he could see again physically, with the physical body, he could see again, but he had also gained the ability to see spiritually. If you haven't had a revelation moment with Jesus, you need to pray to have one that he would reveal himself to you, that we would become like him because we have saw him. Saul became Paul by this vision. So in Acts chapter 9, it says that Saul went on, and as the scales fell from his eyes, he began to preach in the synagogues. He began to proclaim Jesus and, and talk about Jesus and what Jesus was capable of doing for mankind. And it says that even the Jews in the, the synagogues could not argue with him because he was so well-versed that they couldn't even argue from a human perspective because he was talking about spiritual things. Wouldn't you love to be able to preach or to tell your friends or your neighbors about Jesus and have it in a, such a convincing way that it is such a reality that they cannot even argue with what you're saying? As a church, imagine Bethesda and all the people that attend Bethesda that we would have the ability to, and the, the capability to be able to proclaim Jesus and people not even to be able to have an argument against what we're saying. It would be amazing. And it says that Paul went on from town to town and he began to preach and, and proclaim Jesus to all the people he would come in contact with. And how encouraging is that? That this person that was persecuting and killing Christians, enslaving Christians and put them in prison, is now liberating Christians and giving them freedom to walk in Christ. What if we would do the same? What if our eyes would be opened and we would have the vision that Paul had? But that isn't the end of the story. So as Paul goes on and he, he goes from these towns and he begins to preach and all these things is happening, there's people saying, isn't this the same guy that used to put us in prison? Is this the same guy that killed Christians? Even Christians doubted the preaching of Paul because of what he used to be. 
There's people that you're going to come in contact with or you're going to talk to. And maybe after you've become saved and you've started going to church and you'll talk to them and start telling them. And they'll say, well, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? And you used to do this and you used to do that. And you have to give up and say, well, I can't do that anymore. I attend church. I've, I've, I've uh, given my life to Jesus. And they don't understand it. And it says in Scripture here in 1 Corinthians that it's foolishness of preaching that confounds the wise. There's wise people in this world that cannot understand uh, uh, how we can see into the spiritual world and see that there's going to be a heaven and give our life to God here so we can gain that there. They cannot perceive that. They can't understand that. The wisdom of this world, super smart people, has a hard time following that thought process because they can't physically understand it. So Paul goes on and preaches anyway. And I think that's what we should do. The second thing we talked about, another vision, and we talked about Samuel and multiple other people, but the second person that we really needed to talk about was in Acts chapter 10. So Acts chapter 10 is a story about Peter, and we talked about it last week, that Peter was hungry, and he's staying in this guy's house in Joppa, and he goes up on the roof, and as he goes into this trance, or God puts him out of his, his uh, uh, natural mind, to say, and puts him down in a trance, and God gives him a vision. And as Peter's on this roof having this vision moment, he's hungry, but he's there anyway, and uh, he, he just takes it in. He begins to look and see these things, and it's something that he hadn't saw before. So he goes on through the process we talked about last week that Peter finally gets the vision and God tells him even what the vision means. You know, there's this blanket letting down. There's all these creepy crawly things and there's these different animals on it. And he tells him to rise and eat. And Peter says, no, I'm not going to do that. And an angel says, oh, yes, you will. You need to because what God's called clean, let no man call it unclean. Because you've been told that your whole life does not make it so. And we as Christians need to hear that. Because some things we've been taught throughout our Christian life may not be so in the kingdom of God. Do we believe it because grandma believed it? Do we believe it because mom believed it? Or do we believe it because the Bible says it? And there's people that quotes, you know, from time to time, and they'll quote something that the Scripture says when it doesn't say it at all because they've heard people say it their whole life. We've got to be super careful when we see these things but Peter sees it and he wakes up and he goes downstairs and he goes and it, the Bible tells us the story that he goes and he he goes with these people to Cornelius's house and he don't even want to go it's just people he don't like he how many of you has enemy anybody in here have an enemy or somebody you don't like very much oh no just just the kids are the only one raising their hand all your adults you know you've you're so lovable and so caring and you know you don't have anybody that you don't like I know you all are just perfect so Peter didn't even want to go, but God told him to. He didn't even want to, he didn't even like these people. This was the Roman centurion. The Roman people was the ones that killed Jesus, his best friend, his savior. They killed him. And now they're asking him, come to my house. If you had somebody to murder one of your friends, would you want to go to their house and hang out? No. But what if Jesus told you to? That's a different story. 
So Peter goes, and as he goes in the house, and he don't even want to be there, and he walks in, and he looks around, there's all these people, and it's kind of a rich, uh, well-to-do kind of place, and as he looks around, there's all these servants and all these other people, and Peter says, well, the only thing I know to do is preach, because that's what I've been doing. I started out in Acts chapter 2 preaching, and 3,000 people got saved, so what am I going to do here? If there's a few people standing around this house, and I don't like them, and I don't want to like them, and God told me to like them anyway, okay, I'm going to go preach. So he starts preaching, and it says, when, as he begins to preach and declare the things that Jesus did, that the people believed, and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. They was very clearly to Peter, man, they've received this thing that we received. They've got the power of God. They're saved. What if God saved people you didn't even like? What if God saved people you hated? What would you do then? So Peter, he takes it all in, and you know, and he baptizes them. He says, there's water here, and they baptize them in water, and he begins to talk to them and, and encourage them, I'm sure. And Peter walks out, and I'm sure that there's uh, rejoicing in his soul. So it's kind of amazing to me that we at Bethesda, this past year, how many people was on the, the ACMR last year, Leslie? Do you remember? That was baptized? It was up, upper teens, I know, pretty confident it's upper teens. Last year at Bethesda. So that's pretty encouraging, right? So the Bible says that angels rejoice in heaven over one lost sinner that comes home. If one person gets saved, angels in heaven are rejoicing. They're having a party, a throwdown. And here we are at Bethesda that over a dozen people got baptized at Bethesda last year. And we sit around and think, well, just another year went by. We should be having a party. Amen. Bethesda should be happy that there's salvation happening in our church. That people are coming back to Jesus that maybe once knew him and returning home and, and coming home. We should be grateful and, and, and thankful that God is allowing us to see this salvation. We can't take credit for it. Paul says here in Corinthians, the next chapter, chapter 3, he says, I can't take credit for anything. He said, I planted seeds, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. It's only God that can save, but we need to be the ones planting seeds and watering. So what does that look like? You go out into your job or maybe you go out into a club that you're a part of or maybe this or that that you attend in, throughout your life journey, and you run into people. Are you planting seeds? Maybe somebody else has already planted a seed about Jesus in their heart. Maybe they need some water put on that. So whenever you're telling people about what God has done for you, it encourages them to think, maybe God would do that for me. So don't hold back when you're in communication with people. So Peter told them about Jesus. And they believed and they were saved. But then I want us to go read this other verse. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. So Peter's all happy about this, and he's excited that people's got saved, and he, he's preached, and these were even Gentile people. So these were even people that Jews didn't even want to get saved. These were people that Jews despised they wouldn't even eat or drink with them he they wouldn't even sit down and have a cup of coffee with them they despise these people but that's what the church was made up to at that point 
So Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles too had accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers took issue with him. What's your Bible say, Ernie? You got the King James? What's verse 2 say, the last part? Contended with him. People in the church mad because people they didn't like got saved. Imagine that. How crazy is that? That Christian people would be mad, other people come become believers because they didn't like them. So they go back to the verse in John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his son to die only for the Jews. It must have been what they was reading it like, right? And sometimes if we don't have clear vision, we might read a scripture and be reading it, putting us in it, and being selfish about us and not thinking about others, and we look at it when God's really applying it to all of humanity. For God so loved the world, not just the Jews. I love the Jews. I'm not putting Jews down. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We absolutely should. But shouldn't Christians be praying for the peace of the Palestinians too? Shouldn't Christians be praying for the peace of Afghanistan? I think we should. Because God sent his son to die for the world. And that might conflict with us a little bit that we don't, nah, I don't know. But I think it's true. And they said, when you went, you went into the uncircumcised men and shared a meal with them? It's like, what in the world's wrong with you? These are our enemies, and you're going over there eating dinner with them? Peter, what's wrong with you? And I assure you this, that Christians today, whenever you go into places that Christians don't want you going and begin to preach the gospel of Jesus and people get saved, and you might, I've seen this happen literally. At a church one time that a, a young man was going and he decided he was going to go into a bar and preach about Jesus and talk to people about Jesus and people started saying, how dare him go into a bar? You can't go in a bar and talk about Jesus. Well, if he don't go, who will? The people in the bar is not going to come to us. We're to go to them. The Bible says go in the highways and byways, right? And compel them to come to Jesus. Now, I'm not telling every one of us to take off to go to a bar, but if God gives you that vision and God gives you that clarity and tells you, like he told Peter, to go there, you better be going there. So he went. But Peter began, after they're arguing with him, contending with him, and saying, why are you eating with those kind of people? Peter began to explain to them point by point, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying in a trance, and in a trance I saw a vision. And an object like that, a large sheet descended, being let down by heaven by its four corners. And it came to me, and I stared, and I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild animals, reptiles, wild birds. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But I said, Certainly not, Lord, for nothing defiled or richly unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice replied a second time from heaven, What God has made clean you must not consider richly unclean. This happened three times. And then everything was pulled up to heaven again. And at that very moment, three men sent me to drop, sent, men sent me to Caesarea, approached the house where they were staying. The Spirit told me to accompany with these without hesitation. These six brothers also went with me. 
And we entered the man's house, and he informed us how he had seen an angel standing at his house saying, Send to Joppa, summon Simon Peter, who will speak to you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. Then as we began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did on us as at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord as he said, he used to say, John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave them some the gift as he also gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to hinder God? This is Peter's words to those people saying you should not have went. He says, who was I to hinder God? So what he's telling you is he could hinder God. And I'm telling you today that we as Bethesda, we as a church, we as uh, Christians, we hinder God sometimes from getting to people because we won't speak. So I want to say this. You see to say. You see to say. So both these guys that we're talking about here, and I know this is week three, and I'm going through this really quick, but whenever Paul, or he was Saul at the time, whenever he saw, he said. Peter, whenever he was here, and he was on this rooftop, and he saw this, then he went to his friends, and after he come back and told the story about what was happening, and people got saved, he said what was happening. So when you see, you should say. So if you see a vision, and if we say, hath not seen, what have our eyes not seen so far? As a Christian, do you want to see more of God? Do you want to experience more of God? Do you desire that He would speak to you? It's amazing to me that at Bethesda just, you know, people's getting saved and people's coming to Bethesda here lately and, and, and they're new Christians and we got to baptize people just a few weeks ago at Bethesda, a few months ago, and it's exciting as a pastor to see people that knows nothing about Jesus ask questions about Jesus and so hungry for Jesus. And we, as the ones that are sitting around and been in church a long, long time, how open are we today to God to show me something new? How open is our eyes, not physical eyes, our spiritual eyes? How open is our ears, our spiritual ears? And how open is our heart? And that's the three parts in this text of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9. Eyes not seen ear has not heard and it's not entered the heart of man I believe we see so they can hear so that their hearts can be changed God will show us visions I still believe in visions there's churches out there today that will tell you you cannot get a vision from God today because that ended 2,000 years ago. I'm here to tell you today, if you'll get in a prayer closet somewhere and pray and seek God and ask God and, 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 and plead with God to show you a vision, he will not withhold any good thing from his children, it says in Scripture. So I believe if you ask him for a clear vision, that he will give you the words to say so that others could hear, so that their heart can be changed. I believe this to be true. These two guys, and I want you to see how much change happened with the world with these two men that we're talking about. Paul, 
when he got that vision, that clarity vision of Jesus on that road, it changed his life. He went and preached to churches that had been created outside of Jerusalem because he was persecuting them. The only reason there was people out there to go get is because he persecuted them so much in Jerusalem. It says here in Acts chapter 11 that the reason there was churches out there is because Paul was persecuting them to the level that they fled Jerusalem to go live somewhere else. So these other churches that existed was because of his negligence and some things he was doing to persecute the church. But as they were out there, he went back and preached Jesus to these same churches that he had caused to exist because of the things he was doing wrong. He set some things straight. And these churches were in regions that was, was not Israel. You know where Damascus is today, right? Syria? Still there. The town is still there. It's where there's been a war going on for the past three years. That Syria is in a, a, a basically a civil war. Syria thinks serious. And it's kind of crazy that Paul was going to a town amongst a bunch of Gentiles and preaching Jesus when people didn't want to hear it. And also that Peter went and preached to Gentile people when he didn't want to because God told him to. But I want you to know today that these two individuals, if these actions didn't take place, there would not be a Christian church here today. Because prior to these two accounts, everybody that was saved was Jewish. Is anybody in the room Jewish? We're not Jews, we're Gentiles. We would not have a church today if these accounts didn't happen. If they had not seen. And if they had not said. And I thank God for this verse that Paul writes. And he says, but they have entered the heart of man now through the Spirit of God. And God allowed, and he even goes in Romans and he says that, that Gentile people were grafted in. You can read about it. And the only reason we're in a church today as a Gentile is because somebody saw and somebody said. I want you to stand. Don't you bow your head and close your eyes if you will. I can tell you this that without a shadow of doubt, that the believers in this room that you have saw God perform some miracles in your life. If you'll think back and whether it was a health issue. There's even people here that sometimes maybe the doctor even told you, I don't know how you're still alive. You're a walking miracle.
God allowed you to see that and experience that so that you would say that so that others would come to know him. I want to encourage you today to continue to tell your story. And it may seem like it's getting old to you, but it's always fresh when somebody hears it for the first time. I want to encourage you to begin to tell about the good things that God has done in your life. You saw him do great things. Keep saying it. It'll never grow old. Allow God to use you and what you saw so that others may come to know him. Everybody just pray, Holy Spirit. Everybody say this out loud. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through these messages? Show me. Let me see. Let me hear. And let me feel. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.